life, we look at everything we don't like and we voice that or we act it out in our life. And we become a complainer or a grumbler. And no one likes a grumbler, right? No one likes a grumbler. And, but, we, but we become that pretty easy. Now, the Greek word uh, translated complainer literally means one who is discontent. Okay? One who is discontent and results in complaining or grumbling. Discontent... Uh, not being content, not thankful, uh, results in us grumbling and complaining. So a complainer, uh, being a complainer is not uh, something that is listed in the fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> right? Let's, let's take a look at that scripture. I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to have you stand a little bit later. We're going to read from Romans, and I'm going to have you stand for that one. But I have a few scriptures that I want to just kind of let lead into that. And uh, this is a fruit of the Spirit. This is a Galatians chapter 5, uh, starting in 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. You'll notice that grumbler is not in there, Right? Complainer is not in there. It's not listed in the fruit of the Spirit. That's, that's important for us to understand. And actually, when I began to look at the Scriptures, I began to think of complaining and grumbling and that kind of thing. I began to look at the Scriptures. I went clear back to Genesis, and I found where it started. Okay? You want to see where it started? Okay, let's look where, it's, look where it started. Uh, this is from Genesis chapter 3, verse 12. And uh, this is uh, Adam. And it was right after the time in which Adam and Eve sinned. And this was Adam's response. He said, the man replied, Adam replied, the woman you gave to be with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate. So right off the bat, Adam's complaining, right? So the father of our sin, <laughs> right, he, he kind of led us off. Not only by eating of the fruit that he was, was not supposed to eat from, but then right after he did that and God came and confronted him, instead of being remorseful, instead of, instead of just uh, owning it, um, and instead of being grateful for Eve, right, uh, husbands, amen, <laughs> right, guys? That have wives, yeah. Instead of uh, instead of being grateful for his wife, instead of being grateful for this this wonderful helpmate that God had given to him, he turns around and he complains about her. He puts it on her. He he begins to grumble and point fingers. Interesting, isn't it? So Adam loses his perspective of being grateful. Uh, for the helpmate that God provided and instead chooses to complain about her. So right from the get-go, right from the beginning, uh, man stops being grateful and starts showing ingratitude by complaining. Uh, if you look at a, a Philippians scripture, and now we're going to go way back into the, towards the back of the Bible, into some of the letters of Paul, into the uh, book of Philippians. In Philippians uh, 2, 14 through 16, 
Uh, I'm just going to read the first verse of 16 when we get there. But listen to this. It says, do everything without grumbling and arguing. Okay. <laughs> do everything. It doesn't say do some things, right? It doesn't say do the things that you like to do without grumbling and complaining. It doesn't say do the things that you enjoy most without grumbling and complaining. It says do everything without grumbling and complaining. That's, look, can we be honest with each other? That's not easy, right? That's not easy. But that's what it says, do everything without grumbling and arguing. And then it says, uh, so that you may be blameless and pure children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation among whom you shine like stars in the world by holding firm to the word of life. Okay? Then I can boast in the day of Christ that I didn't run or labor for nothing. Now, What's, what's interesting about this scripture is that Paul is reminding us that, uh, that grumbling, that grumbling about life is not a good testimony. That's, Paul's telling us that. Grumbling through life is not a good testimony. So as you go through life, if you're constantly grumbling, you're constantly complaining, you're around your coworkers, or you're around your neighbors, or you're around your family, and all you ever do is complain about the circumstances, complain about what's going on, complain about the decision that was just made, grumble about this, grumble about that. Paul's saying, listen, it's not a good testimony for Jesus. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. And then he says, you know, in that next verse, and if you go back to 15, so that. So that, those are, those are key words, so that you may be blameless and pure, children of God, who are faultless in a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine. How are we going to shine? By not grumbling and complaining. <laughs> right? So, so when we become a grumbler or a complainer, discontent, unthankful, it doesn't point people to Jesus. You see that? Do you agree with that? As we're living this life around people who don't know Jesus, we are shining lights, and part of being that shining light is being grateful and being thankful. Now, what can be sad is that many times when uh, people experience church life, and I'm going to say honestly, I mean honestly, guys, listen, this is, this is from my heart. I haven't heard you guys complaining and grumbling about stuff. And I appreciate that. <laughs> That's very meaningful to me. All right. But, and so, yeah, I'm not necessarily talking about first church, but let's not be naive. All right. It could happen here. It may happen here. Maybe I haven't heard it. I don't know. Maybe I'm too young here, you know, too fresh here to have heard it. I don't know. But, but I'm not necessarily talking about first church, but church life I've been in church all my life, really, honestly, all my life. My mom and dad started taking me to church when I was weeks old, and ever since then, I've been in church. And so I've been in church all my life, and so I know church life. And knowing church life, <laughs> I know there's a lot of grumbling and complaining that takes place in church life. And so here's the thing. 
It is sad that many times when you experience church life, it is easier to find people who are grumbly hateful rather than humbly grateful. Okay? And we can't do that. We can't be that way. We, and this is, this is why. This is the reason why. We're trying to get people to come to church, right? Do you think that people want to come to a church where people are being grumbly hateful? No, they can get that out there in the world anywhere. Anywhere they want it, they can get that in the world. If they really want that, just let them be on social media for just a little bit. I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll get that for sure. No, when, when people come to the church, th- this needs to be a safe haven. Th- this needs to be a place where we all, every single one of us, are, are living a life in such a way that it is evident by the way that we live, by the way that we act, by the way that we talk, by the way that we interact with each other, by the things that we say, our attitudes that we have, that we are a humbly grateful people that we love, that we care, that, that we have a heart for others, that we have a heart for the Lord, you know, and, and it, it ought to be, that, that ought to be like the, the overall impact that the church has on anyone who walks through those doors. I was at another church and, and uh, we had a guy there that he was, he was leading, um, he was kind of leading the, the building part of the church, the properties. Uh, he was in charge of that. And I remember one day he came to me and he said, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. And I was like, because he, he was doing a good job. And I said, really? I said, what, you know, why? What's going on? And he said, well, every time I walk through those doors, someone comes up to me and complains about some kind of decision that's been made or what we're doing with this or what we're doing with that. And he said, that can't be my church experience. He said, it's, it's ruining what I think of church. Folks, we, we can't ruin what people think of church. Right? And so... And so what does, it, what does it look like for us to live our life in such a way that, that we, we live with this, this gratefulness to God, this gratitude, this thanks, this praise? What does that look like? And, and how can we make sure that that's, that's how we're living? Because it's so, it's so important um, for the souls of, of others, but also for just really our own soul. Our own soul. So I asked the question here, like in my notes, so what does it look like? How can I live that way? And am I ready to live that way? Am I ready to live that way? Because because that's a good question. Are you ready to live that way? Because if you're ready to live that way, what that means is sac that means sacrifice. That means sacrifice. That means that you're going to sacrifice sometimes 
the bad attitude that you have to have the right attitude. It's a sacrifice. Because, because we really like to hold on to those bad attitudes. We really like to hold on to those uh, that, that, that um, we, we almost feel like we have a right to be angry or we have a right to demand this or we have a right to demand that. And we've got to release that. We've got to sacrifice uh, that and just release that to have the right kind of attitude, the right kind of frame of mind, the right kind of uh, gratitude in our hearts. So, uh, so we're going to read this scripture from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And, uh, and I'll ask if you'll stand with me for this, if you will. Romans 12, uh, verses 1 and 2. And I'm going to read it in the, uh, the CSB, which is what I use. And then I'm going to read it in the NLT, okay? It says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Now, now let's read it in the uh, New Living Translation. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Amen? Amen. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. God wants to be uh, what you live for. He wants your life to be a living sacrifice to him. And, and I love what Paul says, you know, in, in the CSB, it was urge you, I urge you. And, uh, and then when we got to the NLT, it was that he was pleading, he's, I plead with you. Uh, but in reality, and we know this, you know, as we've been talking about scripture, we've been talking about, you know, how this is God's word. Uh, these were the words of God that were given to these um, prophets and to these uh, ministers, and they, they wrote them down, but these were God's words. This is God's message. So God, really, if we look at this, God is saying, I urge you. God is saying, I plead with you. If you think about it here, God is making his plea to us, and he's telling us how to react to his blessings, his grace, his mercy. Here is Jesus urging you to do something that will honor him, and what he wants you to do is he wants you to live your life as a living sacrifice to him, a, a, a life lived for him, a life lived in honor of him, a life that will point people to him and help people to see him. As we're doing that, we're, we're living a life that is a life full of thanks and full of gratefulness. And so uh, as we're living that life, when something comes our way that isn't so easy or, or maybe is a difficulty in life, we're handling it 
in a way that, yeah, we're allowed to grieve. We're Just like CJ preached last week, we're allowed to grieve. We should grieve. We should go through times when we express that sadness or that anger or whatever it may be. But it's also important for people also to see that we have a love in our heart for the Lord. We're grateful for what he's done and that we are, are exhibiting a life that's lived for him with joy in our hearts. Otherwise, people will look at us and say, I don't want what they got. Why would I want they, what they got? You know? So uh, that's not a small demand. I, I think you'll agree with me. It is not a small demand when we read this scripture and it says that God wants us to be a living sacrifice to him. That's not a small demand. That's not a small demand. That's a big deal. Can God ask that much of us? <laughs> can he? I think he can. I think he can. I, I, I think God can expect us, can expect us to live our life for him. There's a, a good hymn. Um, it's uh, page 552 in the hymnal. And uh, it's called A Living Sacrifice, old uh, Church of God hymn, old heritage hymn. Uh, and this is what the words are to that hymn. And I, I love it. I wanted to read this to you. Um, I'll read the, the verses and then the chorus at the end. Uh, I love the Christ, the Son of God, who died that I might live. I would my gratitude express a gift unto him give. I fail to find a sacrifice or fitting gift to bring. Earth's treasures have too little worth to offer to my king. No gift, however grand or great, could pay the debt I owe. I bring myself, my life, my all, a living gift to bestow. My talents all I gladly yield for service, Lord, to thee to bear the blessed gospel light that others Christ may see. My gift is small, it is my all. Accept it, Lord, I pray. Let self be slain, let Jesus reign within my heart always. I love that. I love those words because those words express to me what what I'm talking about today. You know, when I'm talking about uh, giving, giving the Lord a, a living sacrifice, I'm talking about us giving Him everything, our all. Giving Him everything. Um, we talked about this at, at men's group uh, on Wednesday. We talked about how living a life for the Lord means that whatever we're doing, Whatever it is, whether it's our job or whatever it may be, whatever we're doing, we're doing it as unto the Lord. We are giving him everything we got. We're going into that place and we're doing it so that he will be glorified. It's not for us. It's so that he will be glorified, so that he will be exalted, so he will be lifted up, so people will be able to experience him through us. And that is really important and that's really uh, sometimes very difficult at the same time, very difficult. Because like I said, it takes sacrifice. 
um, that phrase that precedes the Lord urging us, the Lord pleading with us, there's a, a phrase that precedes it. And that phrase was in view of the mercies of God. In view of the mercies of God. So basically what Paul is saying, listen, on the basis of what he has done for you, on the basis of what the Lord has done for you, in view of the mercies of God, in view of what, all that God has done for you, then be a living sacrifice. In view of all the things that he has given you, be a living sacrifice. There's another old hymn, and it's, it's called Count Your Blessings, right? Count Your Blessings. And I sometimes need to do that. I sometimes need to stop in my life and count my blessings. Because if I don't do that, then the things that I'm dealing with that I don't like and that is really hard on me, those things mount up and become a pile or a stack that I think is really, really high. And when that happens and I stop and I begin to count my blessings, I realize the blessings are like huge compared to those things. And here's the, the greatest blessing. Here's the greatest blessing. And this one, if, it was, if this was the only blessing, it would be enough. Okay? You guys ready? You know where I'm going, don't you? Jesus died on the cross for us. He died on the cross for our sin. He hung on that cruel cross with those nails piercing his hands and feet. He took the, the crown of thorns on his head. He took all the mocking, the spitting. He, he bore all the shame. He bore all the, the sin. He, he took everything. He took everything everything for us so that we could be forgiven of our sins. And if that was it, if he...